You're listening to Real Politic, the thinking person's Romaniacs. But first, a little message for the young people from Trevor Bastard, CEO of Granny Mugger Media. I just wanted to give a little message to the youngsters out there setting off on their creative journeys. The moment you do something even microscopically interesting, some people out there are going to think you're a dickhead. So you need to just not worry about that in the slightest. Uh, In fact, I'd go so far as to say the more people who think you're a dickhead, the better whatever it is you're doing must be. And you can extrapolate that logic even further and say, if everyone in the world thinks you're a complete dickhead, then you've won the game. You've achieved it. Cultural immortality. They won't be able to touch you. So do it. Everyone on the planet Earth. Reach for the stars. Opposing the government and opposing the Conservatives, I'm afraid it's the hard left who want to tighten their control. They want to uh, sideline moderate voices. I don't think anybody should be surprised about that is the nature of the hard left. And, of course, we know that the hard left famously cannot tolerate any dissent. Who are the hard left, Chris? We know who the hard left are. We're in the ascendancy within the the Labour Party who associate with the hard left. You just said that we were too right-wing for the hard left agenda. Printing money, nationalisation without compensation, hard left wing position, hard left, hard left, the hard left, the hard left, the hard left, the hard left, hard left, hard left, the hard left, the hard left, 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 uh, here today with uh, my good comrades Jack and Tom. Thank How's you. it going, guys? Hello. Pleasure to be here. Good to be back recording the show after season four or three. Is this four? Is this the first episode of season four or the last episode of season three? <laughs> I don't know. I I guess it, I don't. Yeah, maybe. Is, is this? Oh fuck it! Yes. We'll decide in the editing. <laughs> <Is this> a, <laughs> the answer is yes. Is this a special <laughs> to tie up? season three kind of like the office and extras specials and the, yeah, yeah. The, the derek special that ties up derek and in, and and even the hello ladies special that ties mm, up yeah. hello ladies yeah it's where we become really self-aware and decide we need to stop doing the podcast that's how just the whole show ends <laughs> yeah three seasons maybe we're the bad guys in <laughs> politics this is when we start our stand-up careers and <laughs> oh, God. it just goes down downhill you that'd know. be great to have the chance All to his fail holes. in another comedic medium <laughs> <laughs> uh, in case you couldn't guess today we're going to be talking about ricky gervais yes. uh, the oeuvre of ricky gervais and we might talk a little bit about merchant but it's mostly focused on gervais because of course he's uh, his autoristic gonna... vision <laughs> yes He's in the news at the moment because he's free got... speech warrior. <laughs> yeah, for, for a couple of things. Like, for, first of all, that that cunt taught his dog how to see Kyle. Um, <laughs> <laughs> <Count Angela. laughs> yes, and Ricky Gervais leapt to his defence along with like Stephen Fry and a bunch of other middle-aged men. Of the dog or the Nazi? 
<laughs> well, actually, I, I've written in my notes, like so many misanthropists, Gervais is big on animal rights. And yeah, it says in the Netflix description of the show, even, he's not a big fan of people, actually, of his new stand-up show, Humanity. That's how he opens it. Yeah, in fact, the first major section of his Humanity special is about dogs. Where he, he's impersonating various <laughs> breeds of dog. That's how interested in the human condition Gervais really is. <laughs> A long way from his early work, <laughs> certainly. Yes. We've all spent the last weekend boning up on Ricky Gervais, as, as they say, people from yeah. the 1950s. Masochism, as they also say. <laughs> yes, especially as the Humanity Special which has just come out and is the other reason other than the cunt with the Nazi dog that we're talking about, Ricky Gervais. Um, <laughs> it's an hour and 18 minutes long. It is. I think it's one of his longest standards, actually. But the show yeah. is baggier than Ricky Gervais's ball sack. <laughs> <laughs> an hour and 18 which he, which, which he dedicates a bit of... Yeah, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Yes, he does, yeah. That was, that's a reference to part of his routine, Tom. But my, my, my point is, yeah. an hour and 18 minutes is extravagant. It's ridiculously overlong for a comedy special. It's it, you, you know, the expression is, an hour of comedy. And that's for a fucking mm. reason. Like, some people can get away with doing a bit more. Ricky Gervais can't. You know, it's only about 15 minutes shorter than the last film he directed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, th- I think you were making this point in the group chat jack that imagine if somebody just in general this show but in general imagine if somebody actually talented was as prolific as gervais is like <laughs> i mean actually you're right it is a bit rich of me to complain about extravagant lengths and baggy shows yeah, when it can our, be good, when, when our last has... episode was two and a half hours long <laughs> <laughs> That was the Liam Young episode, wasn't it? Yeah. It was, it wow. was. I'm sorry you guys didn't make it. All uh, in preparation well. for your five-hour stand-up special on Netflix, right? <laughs> well, the 24-hour <laughs> joint Real Politic Trash Future podcast that we've been planning, the live <laughs> broadcast. Yeah. Well, I'll be sleeping for like 18 hours. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It'll, it'll, it'll barely be an iota of Tom in that, frankly. But um, Tom, what do you think? Oh, slugs. <laughs> I mean, there have been genuine moments like that, like in in the episode where we sat and reviewed. Oh, it wasn't an episode. It was our the room commentary where Tom, who's li- literally it was Tom's idea. Tom was heading up that episode. Yeah. He still fucking fell asleep like towards the end of the room. <laughs> Oh, who knows? <laughs> what about his zipper? What about his zipper? He didn't even get his dick out or anything, did he? Definitely didn't get his oh, ass out. He's a good guy. Did you tell Johnny yet? No. No fuck's That's sake, Tom. Have you, you fallen asleep? Tricky, tricky. <laughs> did you close your eyes? Close Johnny first. In the middle of recording. <laughs> For fuck's sake. I was like, he wouldn't, would he? Not in the middle of recording. For fuck's sake. I want it all. I want it all. I want everything. These women, Tom, they want the world. Oh, trust me. When it's just the characters shouting the same dialogue towards each other, it, it, it does reduce you into sleep at times, especially when you've seen the film on a fair few occasions. But 
I know. Mm. My bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is bad, Tom. You should be fucking ashamed. <laughs> Any, oh, anyway, no, you me. shouldn't be, Tom. We we love we love your your sleepiness. Oh, cheers. But yeah, this is the Ricky Gervais episode. We're going to be reviewing some serious, no holds barred, top of range gut-busting, taboo-smashing comedy. Am I right? Am I right? Oh, yeah. And if you don't oh, get it, yeah. oh, shame <laughs> on you for not understanding all these great jokes and taking offence to them, you fucks. Going on Twitter and saying stuff to us. <laughs> what's, what's that about Oz Katergy? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Just ran about how we're fucking, like, popular and he's jealous. He, and that's he, how stole, I he stole the Janang Ganesh line, calling us thick as pig shit. Thick as pig shit, yeah. And then just, like, so people people like were like, this is, you know, when he literally added Richard Herring to get him to like his lame put-downs of us, and someone was like, very normal thing to do, and he was like, ah, where is you with the Real Politic podcast? And it's like, yeah, it's just a, it's just a, a mate Paul. Like, it's nothing to do with the show. And then, obviously, he started um, ranting at him about a sad Richard. <laughs> oh, God. Richard Herring actually called out Ricky Gervais once. Did he? He called out Ricky Gervais, I believe, on his own podcast oh. because Gervais was going through a period where he was calling everyone a mong. Ah, oh, yeah. And Herring called him out on his podcast. But this is, of course, the same Richard Herring who can't take being called up for doing a rape joke. So, you know, he, yeah, you know, he can't accept being called out for, you know, making shit jokes himself. They're all the so. same, aren't they? These middle-aged male comedians who've got a bit of money. Like, something happens to them yeah. where they inexplicably, at the age of 40 or so, they start thinking that the, like, most radical, hard-hitting, hard-edged edgy comedy they can possibly do the most like hard-hitting satirical stuff is just like huh, trans people are weird aren't they <laughs> yeah, they, they, they yeah. lose whatever witty edge they ever had and they just are like well what's the most shocking stuff i can say and it's it seems to always be fucking transphobia like yeah. or uh, anti-pc stuff in general but yeah transphobia is very common definitely but i mean did, did either of you watch dave chappelle's in fact four specials he's done for netflix in the last year i, yeah, I saw the first no, one where there was some pretty terrible transphobic the, content yeah, in that yeah it's like lame wow like... transphobic stuff and it's all the same shit it's all about caitlin jenner because she's the only yeah. trans person of these course. middle-aged washed up fucks can name uh, <laughs> i mean i'm calling them washed up they're making so much money off this shit oh yeah, yeah. artistically washed up it's all just like uh isn't caitlin jenner weird it's all just like pointing out shit like you know like uh but 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 you used to be a different gender but but and it's like i'm sure they've never noticed this before ricky or or dave and they've all got this kind of victim complex that their comedy is being shut down because of the pc millennials i mean even jerry seinfeld said that he doesn't perform on college campuses anymore because they're so sensitive it's like Jerry, you don't even say fuck in your stand-up. Why? Why? <laughs> you're you're afraid to say the f word, but ripping on minorities is fine. Okay, yeah, that's reasonable. <laughs> the same Jerry Seinfeld who went to one of those fucking Mossad training camp things. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my oh, word! What the hell? <laughs> 
God. But yeah, it, it's just pathetic, really. I mean, Chris Rock has got a new stand-up show on Netflix, and I'm dreading watching it because I love I love Chris Rock's old stand-up. You know, like a uh, bigger and blacker and and stuff like that. It's, yeah. they're, they're, these are classic stand-up specials, and yeah, like some of the stuff he says about women is just like you know it could be straight out of a 1950s well my wife kind of comedy <laughs> routine yeah. but aside from that some of the stuff he says about race and stuff is really really spot on but i'm just dreading that it's just gonna be hey you know who's a uh, fucking out there trans people <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah, a lot of these comedians from that generation seem to be waging this war. They feel like political correctness is kind of like attacking, you know, overtaking the the material they want to put out there. And it's 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 an interesting trend amongst a lot of them. And how Ricky Gervais is one of those ones that just is going into that really unsettling territory where you can start to see the alt right taking him in. Like, Mm. don't worry, Ricky, we'll accept you. We'll take you in if if people don't want to listen to you anymore. But where do we start with Ricky Gervais? because um, first of all there was a really interesting article that we shared on the podcast account wasn't there which kind of spoke about the sad and tragic fall of Gervais yeah Um, yeah that was a good piece what was it called? It was called What in God's Name Happened to Ricky Gervais? The Office Star's Journey from Comic to Crank and it was as uh, Tom was it written by? It was written by Brendan James who used to be the editor producer of Chapo Trap House and Ah, yeah he left the show a few months ago i think but yeah he's continued writing and this piece in the baffler i think is really good are there any choice extracts of this piece that stuck out to you that we could read when he talks about a series that ricky gervais did around about 2005 2006 where basically ricky goes around meeting his comic his icons and stuff yeah, and, and there's like I think there's another like three four episodes, and they include comedians like Larry David and yeah. uh, Jerry Seinfeld, and of course uh, the I one that Gary Shandling. I don't think he meets Jerry Seinfeld. It's Larry David, Christopher Guest, and then uh, yes, and the final one is Gary Shandling, which we all watch. Yeah, this episode. I, which is the episode. I believe that, ended that the is actually. Yeah. Yeah, paraphrased in that article was the bit from Gary Shandling about once you know what you're doing, you've lost it. Mm, like, exactly. yeah, that's what happened. He thought, Gervais thought, well, that's what they want to see. And then he just wasn't funny anymore. Yeah, I think that's that's a good point. I guess it's like if we tried to... <laughs> live up to our reputation too much and just being all like you fucking melt you fucking you know, <laughs> like your foro corbinism it's like you know it's we've got to do something a little bit more than that so we don't completely bore ourselves to fucking tears do we have any conversation there? no i just said it out with neil he showed his true colors didn't he what do you mean he's, he's all right he seemed like a good bloke <laughs> what do you think oh best better not say anything then watch your back slacking you off Slagging you off. Yeah. What, me personally? Yeah. yeah. With just me? Yeah. And you. Slagging all you lot off. What's he saying? Just going, oh, you lot of rubbish. I was going, oh, lot of rubbish. You're swindling a lot of shit. And he got, it got aggressive and I went berserk. Did you? If I had it, I need to come through that wall. Well, I don't know, he's pretty trim, mate. Yeah. My dad's karate. So, yeah. hang on, David, what did he actually say about us? Just slags like a new laugh. I went, you're swindling, not a little slugs. A little slugs with no personality and it's just jealous that we're better at everything than you. I'll tell you what, on a serious note, if you did kick off doing anything, get out. I don't want you lot getting out, it's not worth it. Well, I'll just step in if you want. Let's be big boy shit, mate. Cheers. 
And you just, you need an element of, like, modesty, of uh, being humble, you know? Ego is just the death of comedy. Uh, unearned arrogance. <laughs> right, Oz, right. Have mm-hmm. uh, you got anything to say about Assad, well, as you always have? <laughs> uh, you got it, but if, mm-hmm. if, if you have got something to say, just uh, say it in the place you always do, uh, Matt Zarb Cousins mentions. Because from what, from, what I, <laughs> from what I understand, Oz, like so many of us, including the Real Politic Twitter account, he has you muted, so he won't actually see your your very strange <laughs> and obsessive comments. But anyway, I thought this piece in The Baffler was very good. And as you say, it does pinpoint the exact moment that Gervais cracked, that he lost it. He, for a moment, kind of became the awkward underdog that he sometimes played. But... This wasn't supposed to be that. This was supposed to be Ricky Gervais, the (laughs) the big comedian, meeting another big comedian, you know, sitting down with one of his peers and also one of his inspirations and kind of, you know, a meeting of the minds. That wasn't what happened. It just doesn't play out. No, he became the underdog again, very kind of Andy Millman on extras, and he did not like it. He did not like it one bit. He was like, I'm not going to do any more of these interviews. And everything he's done since has just been unutterable shit. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much, because, yeah, it came out after Extras, and Extras is pretty much the last piece of work that he was, you know, his last work that was... Yeah, and it's so ironic, the way that Extras ends, the way that his career went. (laughs) Yeah, kind of... uh, Because because The the Office and Extras end both perfectly. In The Office, David Brent, in that final scene when he tells Finchie to fuck off, for he finally becomes self-aware, which the character is not in the entire series. And mm. there's that kind of, ah, he finally gets it. Yeah. What are you talking about? You don't know about football. <laughs> Guilty, I support Reading. <laughs> no, you don't support him. When did you last go to a Nah, I support football more than him. Yeah, well, I'm more of a rugby man, I don't Admit it, admit it. So, no, no dog with you today, David. Oh, do you not see her? She just left. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, yeah. why don't you fuck off? That, of course, is ruined when you fucking bring in, like, Life on the Road and stuff, which yeah. we'll talk about later on. I watched that um, last night, But yeah. an extras, yeah, yeah we'll, <laughs> we'll get on to that. <laughs> but, like, yeah, an extras, the same. And it concludes with that fantastic Christmas special where his sitcom is on, When the Whistle Blows. Has it been cancelled or it just isn't doing very well? And he just, his, his agent, played by Stephen Merchant, just recommends that he goes on Celebrity Big Brother. Big Brother. Yeah. yeah, and it's got Chico in this kind of fantasy celebrity big brother, that tap dancer, what's his name? Oh, let me bring up the because they perfectly cast that. Yeah. And it's ironic as well because I think some of the people who actually were on that went on to actually be in celebrity big brother in real life. So. Oh, there you go. <laughs> so there you are. But that special of extras ends fantastically where he literally just on live television just goes, you know, what am I doing it? Like, I'm being used. This is, this is, you know, this is it now and it's so elegant to see how Gervais's career went down that same path he didn't okay, obviously, of course he hasn't been on Celebrity Brother yet but he's become his own worst enemy he's, you know, he's, yeah. believed, he's believed his own hype and it's so tragic as well because I still love The Office and I still love Extras but yeah. he's fallen far since then and I gotta say that anyone who just loved that cringe humour of The Office you got to watch that Gary Shandling interview because, yeah. oh my God, it was so painful. <laughs> it was, it was David Brent, essentially, yeah. interviewing this person. And I I almost cried a few times just because he was so 
He was so rude, and Gary was not having any of it. Oh my he worked God. him out pretty quickly. He worked him out. You could see an almost a contempt in his eyes for Gervais. And Gervais tries to laugh it yeah, off. Yeah, he just keeps laughing up. with his horrible grating screeching. <laughs> yeah, I mean, at least he doesn't do the David Brent thing of going, or whatever, like, which um, yeah. in Life on the Road absolutely drove me to the fucking brink like i just could not take that <laughs> like it was worse you know i i think i said in, in the real politic group chat i was like he must be the only person in the world who's got a more fucking grating high-pitched and loud laugh than i fucking have yeah <laughs> and us lot on this show we have an interesting variation of laughs jacks is like guys <laughs> <laughs> is like <laughs> mine's like mine's like <laughs> and Laura's is like <laughs> yeah, right. like, yeah. We, all a really in- we all have a really interesting yeah. variation of laughs but none of them none of them are as annoying as fucking Gervais's cackling fucking growling fucking laugh growling and cackling it's just cackling. a punch me in the face laugh you know <laughs> Growling, cackling, probably not the best use of words there, but, you know, you know. It's a very contradictory laugh. Very, yeah, very contradictory laugh. But But it's fucking awful, like, I've got to say, I think I sympathised more with Ricky Gervais in that than Yair did, because I felt, I I did picture myself, like, in his position, interviewing (laughs) somebody I really admire and he looks up to channeling and the, uh, yeah. and them just kind of not laughing at any of my jokes just kind <laughs> of um belittling me i mean he he almost he doesn't quite make fun of Gervais's weight gary shandling but he gets Gervais mm. to admit that he wears black because it's slimming and then he's like I thought so, but I didn't want to say. (laughs) (laughs) Gervais laughs. And I mean, I reckon he is kind of genuinely laughing at this shit because Gary Shandling is very funny, but... Yeah, is also, yeah. He's always the butt of the joke, so I think partially he's just trying to make himself look like he's taking it in good humour, but he's not. I'd like to know why you made this choice to wear uh, black and how you made your decisions what to wear to meet me. And were you... Intimidated. Or anything. This is this is basically what I wear every day. Is this what you wear? Yeah, I've got a couple of tracksuit bottoms, loads of t shirts uh-huh. and and trainers. I I put a suit on for award ceremonies. Uh-huh. Quite quite a, a lot lot of times I put on suit for award ceremonies. For quite a lot of suits. No, this is what I wear. Really. Why is that? Black slimming. I knew it. I just didn't want to say. <laughs> I think it's great that you're able to say that. I'm, I'm comfortable yeah. with my weight. Yeah. I like to wear blue and kind of beige because I think it makes me uh, straighter, look straighter. Really? That's your straight look. Let me see who that is. And Gervais wouldn't have been used to that as well. Oh, so there was definitely a sympathetic note there with me as well, where I was, I just, I felt bad for both of them. Like, mm. it was just, it was a match made in hell. It was awful. <laughs> yeah. But great. Yeah. And 
<laughs> probably some of the most cringeworthy elements we'll probably never see because it, that was probably the best they got out of the interview. It, surely, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Don't they say it at one point that it's going out live, or is that just a joke? I think that was a joke. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Good. <laughs> have you heard Gary Shandling's explanation of what happened there? Oh, no, I don't think I have. What does he say? Gary Shandling said in an interview that he was releasing a DVD box set of his massively influential Larry Sanders show. And for the bonus features, what he was doing was these kind of really awkward, uncomfortable, up-close sort of interviews (laughs) with people who I think may or may not have actually had anything to do with the show. I think I, I briefly looked on YouTube. I think there's one with Sharon Stone. And I don't know if she was on the show, maybe. Mm. But that was what Gary Shandling wanted to do with Ricky Gervais. He was using him, basically. Yeah, so basically he called Ricky Gervais up and he was like, would you like to do one of these interviews for the DVD? And Gervais was like, yeah, sure. But would you do this series that I'm doing for the BBC? And Shandling was like, yeah, sure. Now, when Gervais got there, he launched into the BBC interview and Shandling was taken aback because all the cameras were there and stuff, and I think he was going to film the interview with Gervais himself. Mm. And he said that he wanted to do the awkward, low-key interview for the DVD first, so that then they could loosen up and sort of go up. Now, instead of actually pointing out this to Ricky Gervais, he decided (laughs) just to go along with it in as much as he does... And um, just <laughs> the results were, uh, yeah, the results were uh, exceptional. It's one of Ricky Gervais's best works of awkward comedy outside of The Office and Extras, but yeah, for the wrong reasons. Gary Shandling just, yeah, completely turned the tables on him, and uh, he effectively accuses him of anti-Semitism at one point, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Or Shandling accuses you think about the Nazi uniform. Oh, Tom, that piece. You don't have many Jews in your shows or something like that? I think that part of the episode isn't on YouTube. It's on YouTube in parts, and part three is missing, and you can see parts of the anti Semitism bit in a compilation. I watched the whole thing on that, was it VO link that you sent? Yeah, it is online in its entirety, yeah. But it's all. That was one of the more genuinely, like, just awkward i don't even he just he didn't know what to say ricky he was just he doesn't laugh at that no (laughs) so um the context for it is there's an episode of extras where he wears a nazi uniform isn't there because well he's an extra in extras it's the kate winslet episode yeah yeah that's right yeah and shandling sort of asks him do you get some kind of like vicarious thrill out of playing racists and nazis and gervais is like no it's it's funny it's but it's the social discomfort aspect i gotta say having watched life on the road i think he does get a vicarious out of playing casual albeit in this case racists and nazis (laughs) yeah (laughs) so it's it's really excruciating and then as you say yaya shandling just says i think you're uncomfortable casting jewish people in your shows and then he just stands up and walks away from Gervais. And Gervais stands up, and 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 Shandling's just like, "Oh, is that is that how you want to play it?" But you you didn't go to drama school, then, did you? I had a great acting teacher named Roy. Am London. I boring you? Did you just stifle a yawn then? I, Fucking hell! I'm, I, it wasn't that. It wasn't that, It wasn't as much boredom as. Uh huh. You lost the will to live. No, it was interest. 
I'm, I'm just different than everybody. I yawn when I'm interested. Okay. Oh, God. Ice thing. I'm fascinated. <laughs> well, I think you're not, neither of us are used to really being outside and shooting anything. I mean, although in the extra you are outside a lot. But those are not the funniest scenes. Go on, what's the funniest? Just tell me the funniest scenes. Let's not go the ones that didn't Well, work I, I was fascinated, in fact, that uh, you're uh, quite adept at uh, a sense of humor that I'm familiar with, uh, Holocaust uh, jokes. Uh, and then I believe you actually had a woman who had cerebral palsy. Am I correct? Of course. I'm interested in uh, the uh, side of life that you choose to explore. You with a Nazi helmet on, you see is funny enough. With that smile, oh, no. come up with someone <laughs> just to talk, Nazi, yeah. just to talk. <laughs> I, no. I'm sure that uh, you're not happy casting any Jews for your show. That's the feeling I get. I mean, I'm starting to get the feeling that you're not comfortable around Jewish people. Are you Jewish? You're not Jewish. Yeah, I was raised uh, Jewish. Well, I, you know, good one on you. <laughs> Good one on you. Let's go inside Are you happy then. now? Yeah. Okay, good. Because make sure you cut where it looks like you won. <laughs> and there's another excruciating bit on that same oh. subject as well, when they're talking about Jewish humour. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Do you remember this bit, Yair? And Gervais... Yeah, where he talks about what Larry David said. It's, uh, it's about... I forget. You, you tell it. You tell it. Gervais says his theory is that Jewish humour is complaining in a funny way. And it, without mm. it being in a funny way, it would just be Jewish. And Gary Shandling just stares him down and does not respond to him <laughs> for several seconds. And then he just says, in the most unimpressed way possible, yes. Uh, and oh, isn't that the point where Gervais asks, oh, are you Jewish? Yeah. You're not Jewish, are you? And that just becomes so, oh, <laughs> really? <laughs> oh, yeah. I asked um, Larry David um, what Jewish humour was. And uh, he thought for a long time and uh, said, um, there's a lot of complaining. I should have done that in the form of a question. I don't think so. I don't know, that telling was telling you question. what someone else said. No, I think that was a question. I think... Uh, I think... It, I'm not a real interviewer. I think... Uh, I, I've never really dissected uh, Jewish humor, uh, but I would imagine it's uh, mostly complaining in a funny way. Jewish humor is complaining in a funny way. Of course. About the... Otherwise it wouldn't be humor. Sufferings in life. It would life. just be Jewish. Yes, that's correct. Are there any other elements of that episode that just make your skin crawl? The coffee bit. Yes, yes, where he's just like, fucking hell. <laughs> he's like, all right, yeah, mate, I didn't want one. Doing screechy thing he does. Yeah. Yeah, like you could have just asked or no, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And again, like Shandling is just so unimpressed. Mm. <laughs> it's just that I could see a certain, and I think the audience sees a certain relish in your eyes when you're playing a Nazi. You're a naughty little boy, and you know it, and there's that gleam in your eye. 
the, the, the taboo or uncomfortable subjects um, that I pick on uh, to take me somewhere, and that is um, sort of uh, embarrassment. You know, um, it's what you do and don't say in, in um, polite society. So it's all about the, the people being uncomfortable. Is it because with these. You, 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 in your life, felt repressed, and this is a, a part of a way to get it out? No, because people know that there that, are that certain things that are uncomfortable. It, it puts you somewhere that you can then explore. How would, I, how would I react to this? Why are you choosing to explore those uncomfortable moments? Because it's funny. Because I mean, it's real, funny. But real uncomfortable is moments. That your, is that your sense of humor? Real uncomfortable moments are funny in retrospect, yeah. aren't they? When, when you're in the moment, it's awkward. Everyone says, oh, we'll laugh about this later, and you will. I think what we've proven that probably doesn't need to be proved anymore and is indulgent is that comedy uh, the, that we're talking about comes from tragedy and suffering. So uh, I didn't want one. Okay. Hmm? Okay, now. So, do I not get one? Get one, what? Can I have a coffee? Really? Yeah. Yeah, I'm you can rude. have coffee. Okay, now. What is it? There you go. So should we look at what Brendan James says about this special in his very good piece on Ricky Gervais? In 2006, Gervais produced a key but underappreciated series of Channel 4 specials called Ricky Gervais Meets, where he interviewed his comic influences, talked about his career, and spliced in clips from his own shows, as you do. It was an endeavour now commonly referred to as a self-suck. It was the first <laughs> yeah. time he really betrayed his ballooning self-regard. It also smacked of a weird desperation to be seen chatting with his idols, to be respected even more than he already was. He did one with Larry David and one with Christopher Guest. They are boring and indulgent. Don't bother watching them. I've, I've seen the Larry David one, and it's just like the two of them like watching Woody Allen films and being like, yeah, this is fucking great, he's definitely not a paedophile. <laughs> However, Brendan James continues, the final one featuring the late Gary Shandling is revealing. The Shandling experience put him off for good, said one source at the time. It's easy to figure why. Shandling, the creator and star of The Larry Sanders Show, and the biggest influence on Gervais's entire style, relentlessly fucked with him throughout the entire interview, and that's leaving out whatever humiliation Gervais had cut. So yeah, you're right, it, it wasn't like yeah. there must have been even worse bits than what actually <laughs> went in there. <laughs> what you see is the best they got out of that day. <laughs> That says a lot, doesn't it, really? Yeah. After, oh, yeah. after a virtually uninterrupted period of acclaim, the king of cringe humour found himself getting curb-stomped by his own hero on a TV event <laughs> he himself had commissioned. Then Brendan James says that, coincidence or not, all evidence suggests that it was around this time Gervais completely ran out of ideas and became what the British call a massive twat. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, Accurate, yeah. what do we think of his subsequent work then? Do we agree with that statement that it was, was this 2006 onwards? That yeah, so really after that year. you're looking, yeah. So that, that year it would have been his first starring role in a theatrical film, which I believe, his first like leading romantic lead role in, in the film called Ghost Town. 
Oh yeah, what's which that is like? probably the it, he plays like this dentist in it who I think oh what's the plot of that movie? Oh, it's like is Greg Kinnear's Greg. No, yeah. Greg Kinnear's in it and he dies and Ricky Gervais basically sees ghosts. Greg Kinnear's wife played by Emma Thompson is like I you need to you need to you know communicate. It's, it sounds a lot like Ghost with Patrick Swayze. Oh, there's probably elements. <laughs> of it. There's probably elements of it. There's, you know, I haven't seen it in like years. And uh, stuff. It's directed by David Cope, who's just a fucking hack. Like I think he writes <laughs> as well as directs, and every film he does in it is it just in some way just like some commercial shit that there's just like no redeeming features to. Yeah, right. He, he might have. He, actually, Gervais, I think he wrote like Carlito's Way or something. So I, I'm probably exaggerating how bad David Cope is. Probably hmm. become more of a hack as the years have gone by. Maybe I'm sure. You know, initial kind of you know, success. But yes, from what I remember, Gervais plays his usual kind of awkward, making quick jibes. You know, awkward situations around him and stuff. And then after that, it was his like Hollywood directorial debut with. The Invention of Lying. I've seen that. And then you also... Yeah, yeah. I've seen that as well. I've, I can remember that a lot I, more. I, I think the only uh, good scene in The Invention of Lying is seen between Philip Seymour Hoffman and Louis C.K. where he's just fucking with them because they don't know what lying <laughs> is. And, you know, it works as a, a like, three-minute sketch, basically. If that scene existed, I'd be like, yeah. oh, but it, it, it's a film. <laughs> <laughs> and again, he's a romantic well, lead in it. Yeah. Yeah, his flame in the film is Jennifer Garner, is it? I believe. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So very believable. Exactly. Who else is in it? Edward Norton makes a cameo appearance. There's loads of cameos in the film, from what I remember. I don't. I uh, yeah, it does have the star appeal, but. <laughs> <laughs> and you're not just That's talking about, about Gervais himself, the romantic <laughs> lead. Do you remember the elements of the film that also have critiques of religion in there? Yeah, like in the, towards the end. Elements. Yeah, yeah. So of, course, of course, that's in there. <laughs> the film Gervais. Yeah. So, Yaya, what's your interpretation of his anti-theist thesis in that film? That it's all lies, and you have to be an idiot to believe it. <laughs> right? Like it was one of those things that was amusing enough to me in my sort of new atheist phase. But then you you grow out of that, and yeah. Ricky just hasn't. He's I, still there in his humanity special. He's still bringing up that whole shtick in his latest comedy stand-up. It's been just this constant. He, he I, I, he's obsessed. And like the article said in the, what was it again, where it appeared? The, the, the Baffler. The Baffler, yeah. That article even said... Was it the uh, bit in the oh, first paragraph? Oh, it was the bit, yeah, it might have been, where he said that it would actually be more outrageous and shocking if he came out as like a Christian fundamentalist oh, yeah, or yeah. something. <laughs> There's another good line oh. in the first paragraph which I was thinking of, which is, his stand-up comedy is excruciating, his movies are instantly forgettable, and his smug dorm room atheism makes any mm-hmm. self-respecting unbeliever want to convert to Wahhabi Islam just as a personal fuck <laughs> you. My friends, yeah. Brendan James has defected to ISIS. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I for one am fucking psyched 
for his hour and a half long episode of his new podcast slash radio show thing where he talks with Richard Dawkins. Oh yeah. Uh-oh. What is that? Is that going to be a thing? Oh god. Oh no, oh. he's already done a bunch <laughs> of episodes. Of oh, I, no. I, I was just reading his blog earlier actually to get some insights into the Gervaisian psyche. And um, <laughs> he says at one point with a link embedded, I've also gone back to radio after Sirius XM made me an offer I couldn't refuse. And uh, you click on the link, uh, Sirius XM made me an offer I couldn't refuse, and it links to this article, Ricky Gervais becomes highest paid British radio presenter. Yeah. Which, you know, is entirely in keeping with the uh, very unedifying way he repeatedly boasts about his wealth and his humanity stand-up special i was so sure that he was a communist <laughs> well, <laughs> well, we, can, we can talk about his actual politics in a second but this description of his new radio show says the new show will feature gervais talking about serious topics with guests including richard dawkins and noel gallagher promising oh, my word. thought-provoking oh, yeah. discussions about the topics he feels the most passionate about namely music science art an ethics. So there we go. Dr. Honey Dick and, and fucking I... Tory Knoll. And also Sorry, I reckon no. his music taste is shit, given David Brent's songs. Oh, <laughs> I love how they couldn't get Carl Pilkington into a recording studio, so they're just like, oh, get an old Gallagher in, get another mankin, get an old Gallagher, he'll be good enough. <laughs> yeah. We won't dedicate much time to his work with Pilkington and merging it on the podcast and stuff. That's another case of where a lot of the earlier stuff they did on XFM is very funny yeah but it it tails out as they eventually do the podcast and then they do the audio books and it just kind of it ran its course really especially because carl pilkington isn't stupid and the whole joke is always mm. really stupid. That's that's prod him and dumb comments. Like you know, Carl's fair play to him. He's brighter than they. He's the playing merch. a character. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, mm, yeah. I'm not sure, but <laughs> um, it's hard. To... Yeah. See, that's the thing. Like, I I always like when I'm watching Ricky Gervais stuff. Like, I I I, I like to start feeling sorry for people when you're not supposed to. Like, in his Meets Gary Shandling thing, I start feeling sorry for Ricky Gervais, for example. But also, like, I just do feel a bit sorry for Carl Pilkington, the way he just gets clowned on by these these two fucking pricks, like, constantly. But, I mean, I don't know. Merchant is is a a prick. Yeah, because some of the things that Pilkington comes out with, he actually gets proven right on occasion. He just doesn't phrase phrase it very well. And, you know, Mm. I don't personally think that Pilkington's a character because, like, you know, I think he's done what he's wanted to do now and he's just he's happy to just go off and do a bit of grouting on his gutter or whatever he's, he's <laughs> keeps himself to himself or Gervais continues to uh yeah show himself up a merchant so I, keeps himself to himself you know so what do we think of the theory that basically all the good bits in the office and extras were Stephen merchant because i'm i, I, I think I'm, that's unfair yeah i'm almost i'm sympathetic to it but on the other hand Merchant did co-write and direct Life is Short and Cemetery Junction, which I haven't seen, but didn't get great reviews, really. And I think it is a bit of a post-hoc rationalisation of why the recent Gervais stuff is not very good. But I don't think you need that element to explain it. Yeah. 
got different explanations that we've already partially been over. And that said, I do like Merchant. He's more likable than Gervais. Yeah. And yeah. as the nerd in this group who plays some video games, he, yeah, he, he yeah. was very funny in Portal 2. I, yes. I, I like the character he played there. Um, I watched Logan the other night, the superhero film. Uh, he's in that, isn't he? He yeah. is. He is as 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 Caliban. I mean, he's quite good, isn't it? It's it's like billed as a dramatic role, but it's pretty fucking comic, to be honest. Like it's Stephen Merchant mm. doing, doing his thing. Like why would why would they have cast him? It's, and also like it, 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 that film is like people say fuck in it, and it's a bit bloodier than usual comic book films. But I don't see what makes it so. Uh, exceptional by yeah, standards. Sure. Every beat of the plot was, was predictable. It entirely fit within the standard structure of that kind of film. But it was good for what it was, and he's good in it. And I think like the point that was just made with Carl Pilkington, unlike Gervais, Merchant has relatively kept his head down. You do see him here and there, but it's always in roles that he didn't necessarily... He's not the star vehicle. Yeah, exactly. If Gervais followed more of Merchant's route of not trying to get as much exposure too quickly and just doing a too project too much auto fellatio yeah, yeah too much exposure in the media you know <laughs> <laughs> it's like the Golden Globes his hosting of the Golden Globes is a great example of that you know yeah. just he's, he's so just vicious won- that as that as again was pointed out in the baffler you know they invited him back three times yeah. like, <laughs> yeah. he must have really hurt some feelings oh, he he he, uh, he cucked the libs Totally, like, yeah, he he showed them what's what. Yeah, he told that Robert Downey Jr. making fun of his alcoholism. Yeah, yeah you take that Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, you bloody drunk. Dean off, take it. It's comedy, Robert. Did he make more? Fuck. Did he make more Jesus. Caitlyn Jenner jokes at the Golden Globes? More um, uh, Bill Cosby jokes? Yeah. You know, Melissa McCarthy's oh. weight jokes? You know, oh, yeah. all the great, yeah. all the great stuff. I mean, actually, I say in humanity, he seems completely unconcerned with the human condition i mean he does talk about aspects of the human condition that some humans are fat that some (laughs) some humans uh, transition in terms of their gender that some humans are are, um, less wealthy than him that some humans get sexually assaulted by bill cosby yeah really (laughs) searing insights into humanity and he spends the first third of that show just defending his stuff at the Golden yeah. Globes. Yeah. I knew it was when he pulls out his phone, he's literally going through tweets going, yeah. this is where you didn't understand the joke. And it's like, oh, no, Ricky, really? And then, of course, there's the I wish to identify as a chimp joke. And oh, it's just like, oh, it's, it's really? And, it's, and dead naming. Yeah. It's and he's dead naming Caitlyn Jenner in there. And it's like. Can I just say, like, that whole trance bit, the way it progressed with me in humanity was started awful. Then, like, you know, he was starting to explain and I was like, it's it's bad, but it's not as awful. And then suddenly, yeah, he starts going with everything else full force. And I'm like, holy shit. Yeah, the chip chip was like, oh, God. It's just like these washed up old middle aged reactionary 
fucks who just get it into their head. Yeah. They're like, oh, has anybody thought um, that, you know, that, that going from being one gender to another is a bit like uh, uh, going from being a human to a chimp? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah exactly. And, and in exactly. fact, we're, we're closer to chimps because, oh, I needed some hair. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. And, and he's like, oh, they, they, they want us to call them by, by, by the names that they've currently chosen, but they used to be called different names. And it's just like, great, Ricky, you, you've really hit on something here. You've noticed stuff that nobody has noticed, <laughs> here, especially not trans people themselves or other fucking lazy, bereft of ideas, middle-aged male fucking comedians. Yeah, you t- you really, really, you're onto something, mate. The thing I- is, though, during the stand-up, he actually acknowledges that he was called out for deadnaming Caitlyn Jenner. Yeah. And then he does it anyway. Yeah. It's like, oh, oh, like, it's like, okay, he understands where he went wrong. And then he he even makes that stereotypical line at some point, you know, a man in a dress. He says that at some point. Yeah, you go. And again, like Dave Chappelle, all the other wankers who do this kind of stuff, he does this thing like, I'm your ally. I'm actually your ally. It's like, okay, uh, by what metric? In that you don't actively want to kill them all, I guess? (laughs) I mean, I tell you what, actually, the transphobic bit lasted about 20 minutes. You could have cut that and had an hour long show. But the thing is, (laughs) he front loads the show with the offensive stuff. It's not really this kind of taboo-smashing mm. comedy. Most of the stuff that's really objectionable is right at the start, and then towards... Yeah. I thought he'd return to that those kind of themes at the end, but actually, towards the end, he just kind of, like, does his self-pitying thing of, like, this is why I'm actually justified in making fun yeah. of these people, and, and just sort of gets into his, like, comedy-writing method. By the halfway mark, it does just go from wildly offensive to just horribly pathetic. Yeah. Go, go He's like, yeah. you, you, you know, he's, you know, he's a fucking cunt. People with allergies, fuck you. Yeah. Again, I wasn't offended. I was just like, this is just, yeah. you know, pathetic material. Yeah. I noted down a few points early on. So, a minute twenty into the stand-up, he makes his first joke about God not existing. Oh. Mm-hmm. Two, two, yeah. two minutes and eight seconds into it, he makes the first AIDS <laughs> joke. Four four minutes and 37 seconds into it is the first instance of him saying, I was offended in a quote unquote funny whiny voice while miming typing. (laughs) And then seven minutes, 17, the transphobic stuff starts and goes on for 10 minutes straight. And then it morphs back into him going, let me get out my, my Twitter account. Let me get out my phone and go on Twitter and just all these people that have been just calling me a cunt and stuff, you know. Like, Who pays good money to go watch somebody walk around on a stage with their phone and complain about Twitter? Well, like 20, like, we could do that. 20,000 people <laughs> per show, apparently. <laughs> wow. Knocking it out of the park with this uh, stuff, really. Okay. Did you notice that he doesn't actually talk much about humanity in the show called Humanity? And that's a running trend with his stand-up, like animals and politics. He doesn't really speak much about animals or politics. politics. So if you... you, I've seen politics, yeah, yeah. So he's on the cover as Che Guevara. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's it. yeah, yeah. He's revolutionary. The, um, he is, yeah. He's you know he's a revolutionary. He's, he's you know going to new territory like AIDS jokes. Oh um, yeah, he's he, prepared to yeah, cross boundaries. Yeah. He's prepared to say mong to dead name Caitlyn Jenner. He's basically yeah. Lenny Bruce. <laughs> <laughs> but I think he concludes the politics stand up with this leaflet that he supposedly has. Now this leaflet, I would love to know whether it actually exists because. 
I'm surprised not many other people have brought it up either because it, it's a pretty ridiculous leaflet. So basically, he pulls out this leaflet. You never get any close-up shots of it. It's a, like a mm. little card. And it's from the Terence Higgins Trust, which is an age charity, which he claims was a leaflet they put out in the 1980s. And it's advice for same-sex couples, other ways that you can, you know, uh, have sex without having anal sex. And it's just this top 10 tips and suggestions. And he goes through them. And I remember when I first watched it and I was like, this is like... This is this can't be this cannot be real this leaflet like because he's going through the list of them he's and he's pissing himself as he's reading them out he goes why not come on his back it's like oh okay why not yeah why not, yeah why, why not come on his back yeah that's 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 it well he really why, is just, an artist in terminal decline isn't he <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then there's another one why not just come out of a window <laughs> okay. Okay. That sounds suspiciously yeah. like it was written by Ricky Gervais without the help <laughs> of Stephen Merchant. Mm-hmm. So if anyone could prove us wrong and say actually this leaflet did exist, I'm, I, I don't think it did exist. I have a feeling that he I would he made it all up. There is a bit where in humanity he signals that he's going to go into some kind of social commentary. He says the world is getting worse. And you think, oh, right, he's going to talk about Trump and Brexit, because those those are the things that signal the world's getting worse, obviously. Yeah. No. No, he just starts talking about how he's putting on weight again. He he clarifies very early on, no, I'm not out of touch. Definitely not out of touch. And later on, he does do a bit of social commentary that's so sincere, it doesn't even have any jokes in it. I've written in my notes, very sincere bit about how he's against animal cruelty. Cuck. (laughs) <laughs> and his sort of punchline for the whole thing before he comes back on and does his encore is incredibly pedestrian and unoriginal he says you know people who hate the c-word would hate it a lot less if they didn't go around acting like cunts thank you very much good night audience are just loving out they're just laughing Ooh, laughing yeah, like oh, whooping away <laughs> he said it he said the word. Say the word some more. So, <laughs> did you guys laugh at any point in humanity? I didn't even smile. There's no <laughs> jokes that stand out at all, honestly. And the thing is, though, from his other stand-ups, there's been at least some elements of it that I've found actually genuinely quite funny. But yeah, yeah. nothing, I, nothing in humanity that really stands out. I, must I mean, have it's just. Once maybe was the joke you laughed at. I can't remember. I have a, <laughs> I, I I have a suspicion. <laughs> you think it would stand out? <laughs> no, I have a sp- suspicion that I purposefully didn't take a note of what joke I found funny because I was so deeply ashamed of finding it funny. <laughs> so even if there was one joke in this incredibly ballsack, baggy hour and eighteen minute show that I found funny. I was ashamed to admit it. So that's not that's not a good that's not a good ratio either. In, in, incidentally, there was a bit in Life on the Road, which I watched last night, the belated David Brent spin-off film of The Office. But, oh, but again, might, yeah, um, as well get into that. He, he did almost inexplicably without Stephen Merchant's, which it, it seems like a great way yeah. to, to drop. Because I'm not saying Merchant was everything, but the Office's comic sensibility came from their collaboration. Yeah. And so it seems odd yeah. to try and continue that sort of legacy, even if it does just focus on one character of the show without like a key half of that creative team. But there was one bit 
in Life on the Road that I found funny, and I do remember that bit, actually. I was also ashamed to laugh at it, because it was a, <laughs> it, 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 it was a joke about how, you know, he got really fat, and people called him, like, Brentosaurus, and, and he was like, uh, you know, it was a great laugh. Well, well, actually, it wasn't at the time. I, I, I really upset me. I wanted to kill myself. <laughs> and, yeah. and for some reason, I, I just laughed at the way he said the thing about wanting to kill himself. <laughs> That's the only thing I found funny in Life on the Road. I uh, ballooned up to about 16 stone at one point. I'd given up. Uh, the lad started calling me Brentosaurus. <laughs> All good fun. Not at the time. I burst into tears and wanted to kill myself. Because that wasn't David Brent speaking. <laughs> that was Ricky Gervais <laughs> putting it into the dust. That could have been him talking about when um, Gary Shandlin got him to admit <laughs> yeah. that he wears black for it to be slimming and he's like oh it's all right i'm i'm comfortable about my weight and he says it in the least comfortable possible way yeah <laughs> like yeah and I mean, then... he talks about it in everything he's obsessed with his weight well he did get a lot skinnier after that didn't he mm-hmm. he started working out he uses it as an excuse to make jokes about people who are overweight he's like oh i can do it because i'm overweight yeah it's like yeah. okay exactly. right okay yeah so, so there is something but when it's like young Ricky Gervais, well, he he got famous in middle age. But when Long-ish. it's when it's like new, ah. yeah, newly famous Ricky Gervais making that kind of joke, it's a bit like, well, he's a bit pathetic, but he is you know kind of the underdog. When it's like slim Ricky Gervais in a suit on stage, mm. being like, oh, Melissa McCarthy's fat, it's like, uh, fuck you, dickhead. Yeah, it's just so punching down at that point. It's ridiculous. Do you know what he was doing in the 1980s? Oh, he's in a he, he was in a pop band like Tim Farrell. He was he was he? in a he, <laughs> oh, <laughs> he was in yeah, the voyeur. Yeah. He, he was the bassist in. He was the bassist in Tim Farron and the Voyeurs. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, he was. He was. He was in a new wave band called Shona Dancing, I think. Yeah, and I read like, that Wikipedia like, page. Two free singles. Like, yeah, yeah, and they were like a flash in the pan in the UK, but one of their songs has become a cult classic in the Philippines or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh my word! So, um, Life on the Road. Yeah. Did any of you watch that? And what did you make of it? I saw that when it came out of the cinema, mate. Oh, great. I mean, it, I swear it was straight on Netflix, man. You didn't need to pay for that fucking shit. <laughs> was it? Oh, well, because it was a BBC film production, mm. and yeah. I could sort of see it coming. I knew there was going to be a series of some sort, because before Life on the Road, he did the Equality Street comic relief oh, music God. video, and he also did a YouTube series called Learn Guitar with David Brent. <laughs> Have right. you seen it? It's just him playing songs, like, that's it. Pining for the glory days. Yeah, it, it yeah. very much reminded me of a few years ago when Steve Coogan was like, all right, Saxondale isn't working. And he, st- he started doing all these like little Alan Partridge videos online and then eventually sort of mm. uh, did started doing them for Sky. I remember being cautiously optimistic when I heard that there was going to be David Brent film just because, you know, I wanted it to be good. I wanted more office but mm. I ended up pirating it shortly after it came out and watching it and just 
totally underwhelming for like all the reasons that you've already said. It was just wallowing. It felt like one of those teaching guitar videos. Yeah. Except movie length. It's basically just it's about a centrist star going on the road. I, I found it a lot more enjoyable days. if you just view it as a documentary about Ricky Gervais. <laughs> <laughs> it's like this well, is my last taught, um, Get the old lad you know, back yeah. on the road. He toured. <laughs> the band in the film, Foregone Conclusion, I think before the film came out, he actually toured Christ. with Foregone Conclusion. And he's... <laughs> it made yeah. me think, do you guys reckon that on some level he is aware of how far he's gone from where he started and how... But I don't think he's like... it's. He's clever enough to like... That's part of the act, though. Like, uh, he's got to be, though. Surely. He, he's he's, he's got to know he's sold the fuck out. Yeah. So, sure. Maybe. Ah, oh, it's difficult. It's hard to tell. You just... He's, he's, yeah. He's got to be kind of dimly aware. And, and to be fair, I think this is the case with a lot of artists, that they know that they're not going to top something they did when they were a lot younger. Yeah. But he's got to be aware when he does, like fucking Derek or Life's Too Short mm, or nice. The Invention of Lying or his new stand-up special but it's just not as good as The Office yeah. you know it's not as good I, as extras Life's Too Short was cripplingly unfunny yeah. I remember watching it I watched every single episode of that as it aired on the BBC them. all six of them they made the including special. the special with Val Kilmer Val Kilmer Val is actually very good in that because of course he's Val Kilmer MacGruber it's cunts I think the only one scene from that series I thought was funny was the Liam Neeson scene which yeah. is what they actually used to promote yeah. the show yeah. it's just Liam Neeson just being dead straight in i think merchant and gervais. it's just it doesn't make any sense because liam neeson just turns up in the office of ricky gervais and stephen merchant while warwick davis is there and goes i want to do comedy yeah and then he just does his comedy and it's incredibly flat and yeah. Like, yeah and i think that's the only part from that series i found nearly remotely funny mm. it, it really like, i was watching it like episode after episode i was like wow this is draining <laughs> and that should never be a feeling you have when watching a yeah. comedy series. Yeah. I, and I just can't really, after all, like his his calling people mongs on Twitter kind of stuff, mm. and, and doing doing like impressions of, of disabled people in the cause mm. of those so-called jokes. I just can't take him, you know, in any good faith as someone who should be doing a show about. A, someone with dwarfism, or B, Derek, which is about a guy yeah. with an unspecified learning difficulty. I just can't... Yeah. I know he said, obviously, Life's Too Short is a showcase for an actor with dwarfism. So it's, you know, Warwick Davis knew what he was getting into with that. And so that's meant to be kind of sympathetic to him. And so is Derek. But I just can't trust Gervais with this stuff. There's always something that's yeah. really, really off. Yeah, and definitely. He's obviously aware that he's got criticism for this stuff because there's a song in Life on the Road called uh, Please Don't Make Fun of the Disabled or something. <laughs> yeah. Which is yeah. <sighs> I'm just thinking about how bad the music was in Life on the Road. Like, it's, <laughs> it's like you do wonder if Let me just get up some of the tracks. Just has really oh, bland shit music taste. You should open the show with one of the tracks. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, something I wanted to bring up was on the soundtrack for Life on the Road, there's a song called Don't Cry, It's Christmas. Oh, yeah. Which is about a hospitalised child who's terminally ill and basically Santa comes and visits him and, and kills his parents 
because the, the, the reindeer come trampling in and kill them. Yeah. And he's just like, don't cry, it's Christmas. Even though you ain't got a mummy or daddy, Santa still loves you. Oh, oh and you're blind as well. You just can't catch a brick, can you, kid? It's dying, kid. Yeah. But classic, the, if you, but classic, you know, nothing funnier than just, you know, a dying, dying old kid, you know. Um, <laughs> and there's jokes along those lines in his new special as well, aren't there? Oh, yeah. I think there is in most of his specials. He loves talking about dying kids. Oh, but great he loves that song, Don't Cry, It's Christmas, because that first appeared on one of the XFM shows back in the early 2000s. So really? he, like, he rehashes his material. Oh. Uh, definitely, yeah, yeah, yeah. He does fancy himself as a musician, doesn't he? Yeah, well, there's the moment in Life on the Road where he performs that song and there's this snow effect that he wants to have yes. on the stage, but snow is down on him, this artificial snow, and he can't afford it because he's just bankrupted himself on this, this so-called tour. Then his his manager, I guess, like, sound mixer, he's like, he's, he's a sound man, isn't he? But he basically <laughs> takes pity on David Brent because he says very awkwardly he's like i like you <laughs> when gervais when brent brent sorry not gervais although where the line between the two balls these days is hard to tell <laughs> gervais is complaining no one likes him and he wants to get all this fake snow but it costs a thousand five hundred quid or something and this guy takes pity on him and says he actually likes him and buys it for him and it would be a heartwarming moment if it wasn't entirely dramatically inept and two really dislikable characters, frankly. So I was going to ask you guys, having seen Life on the Road, do you think he's trying to make you sympathise, empathise, feel pity for, root for David Brent in that? Because I've got to say, as I say, the manager, sound guy, whatever the fuck he's supposed to be like, him and the rest of the band, they don't come off as nice guys in that film because they just fucking bully David Brent, basically. They do, yeah. They just marginalise him and just... Yeah, they come off as fucking horrible. And you have to think, that is remarkable that he's created a bunch of characters so repulsive here that you just end up, like, rooting for David Brent. To make Brent palatable for the audience. Yeah, yeah. So it just ends up becoming a film with no really likeable characters at all. Yeah, I mean, well, I guess there's... Which is completely different from The Office, where there was characters in that who actually were decent people, and that's that foil is why it works. They seemed a bit more, like, well-rounded in The Office. Yeah. Kind of complex. And and the way they conclude, as as I said earlier on... uh, as I said earlier on in the episode, the Brent character was perfectly finished up in the Christmas specials for The Office. Like, yeah, it was now, nowhere like, else to go. Yeah, exactly. So when I watch those episodes now, I'm like, ah, oh, but if you're going to count Life on the Road as canon now, he hasn't really become <laughs> self-aware and he hasn't got it. So it's kind of ruined that kind of yeah. the beauty of what the Christmas special was for The Office. But, you know, yeah, he finally gets it, you know, that he, he's self-aware for once and, you know, wants to stop acting like a fucking prat. Mm-hmm. But Life on the Road was actually, by his standards, a critical hit. It's got <laughs> 60-something percent on Rotten Tomatoes, which, compared to the rest of his films, I mean, yeah. is quite good. Invention of Lying has 50-something, Cemetery Junction has 50-something, and I think Special Correspondence, which he actually wrote and directed in the same year as Life on the Road has like 18% on Rotten Tomatoes. It was really badly that planned. That was truly unfunny. It's a very bad film, yeah. yeah. With Eric Banner. Yeah, Eric Banner, who you didn't know as a comedian. 
I didn't I didn't know. I yeah. did not know he was a comedian. <laughs> I only know Eric Banner as being a big actor in Hollywood, but yeah. you know, you mentioned well, you yeah, know, you this, were... he was a comedian before he his big breakthrough role in Chopper. Exactly. It, so. You were like, Oh, Eric Banner trying to do comedy. I'm like, well, to be fair, like <laughs> that was his job. <laughs> I, 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 no, I literally no idea. No idea. <laughs> yeah. Basically, new every day. Yeah, Banner was kind of breakout star in Chopper, which is a good film by i think andrew dominic who did the assassination of jesse james by the coward robert ah, so the, yes, the assassination oh, no. of the coward hillary ben paraphrase <laughs> <laughs> kieran uh, no to quote him directly and then he was a kind of breakout star i think because chopper was quite a big hit at least on the indie circuit and was quite acclaimed but what do we think of one last thing on life on the road what do we think of his new office he works in a... He does some of his work there, but mostly goes off and sells toilet products, doesn't he? Yeah. But he's also mm. taken the piss out of in the office, isn't he? He's bullied there. And yeah, yeah. One of the women that works there sort of kind of likes him, I think. Yeah, uh, I think one, one, of, yeah. one of the women there likes him on a personal level, the receptionist. Finds him, yeah, you charming. Mean, no, yeah. Not charming, but kind of like, she takes pity on him. Yeah, and, he's the, not... and the other one like is this kind of like quite shy and retiring woman who has a massive crush on him. <laughs> and yeah. then he's got his mate as well who's basically just fucking gareth from the original <laughs> office but without all because mackenzie crook was like i i don't want that. i don't <laughs> want it I, I don't need to make a cameo in this there's no <laughs> there's no cameos from the office are there no, no, other no. characters no tim and dawn no yeah no gareth you, got no Finchie. Ricky, is, which says a lot is he on bad terms with those people or something? It seems uh, like or do they just have better taste? Yeah, he's uh, trying to <laughs> distance the character from the world in which he comically thrived. Not as in, obviously, Brent was a fucking loser. He didn't actually, the man David Brent yeah. didn't thrive in that world. But the comic milieu mm. was uh, was perfect for that character. And I think the closest you get to a cameo from something you remember from The Office is when Rod Stewart's handbags and bad rap shows up a couple of times in the soundtrack. Yeah. Which, Pretty again, much, yeah. with all the terrible comedy songs in it, is quite a relief. Because again, I think <laughs> I think I've, I've forgotten what the fucking uh, theme tune of Extras was, but that was pretty. Uh, it was uh, Cat Stevens' uh, "Teeth of the Tillerman." There we go. Yeah, both perfect choices. Like they work so well and bring this kind of this sadness yeah. and this pathos to those those two shows. And so when Handbags and Glad Rags resounds over the film, you, you're kind of like, oh god. That, Weren't the old days great at Burnham Hogg? <laughs> you basi- you're basically going like, I could be watching The Office right now, but yeah. I'm fucking stuck in the cinema watching this yeah. garbage I've got- on Netflix. I've got. I haven't unfortunately had the chance of listening to it because I only found out about it today. But I've got a review of Gervais's new radio show. You know the thing for which he's the highest paid host ever, or something. <laughs> Where they made him an offer he couldn't refuse. Haha! Isn't boasting about your wealth great? He said, "This is from like someone called like Stu or Steve or something." I looked to see if they had any more funny reviews, but they didn't. He says, "I'd give it five stars if he didn't swear so much." And kept on topic. And left people alone. Some of them can't defend <laughs> themselves. He just runs Rockman's wrath over people's feelings and their dreams. <laughs> We're left shattered by it all. Especially test swear words. My ears are ringing with C words and F words and G words. What's a G word? What's up, G? Is, is it just the word? Like, it could be. Gay? I don't know. I don't Gimp? know. Uh, 
Gimp, I was just uh, yeah, Does he say Gimp in the sh- uh, the word God? Maybe it's him just saying God. <laughs> it's him using the Lord's name in vain. Only- oh God, why have you cooked this Reading man? <laughs> and he continues, only so many letters left. Like said, three out of five would give it four if he hadn't mentioned my nan. What? (laughs) Did like Stephen Merchant write that to take the piss? Like, (laughs) what I did want to quickly ask was, do you reckon him and Merchant are on good terms, and whether they'll ever work together again in the future? When did they last work together? Life's too short. Yeah, they haven't done any podcasts or anything. I don't think they've done any interviews since then. Because Merchant went off to do Hello Ladies, oh, the yeah. TV series. They may have, I've seen well like have had an artistic two, three, you know, place, two, three like... Yeah, they could have been. It's like maybe Merchant was just like, yeah, I just don't know if the like mong joke here is necessary. And today it's <laughs> like I've got to take a stand here. This is my art that we're talking about. If you take away that <laughs> that ableist slur, it will no longer function as the true expression of my deepest thoughts and feelings. There's a few times in some of those early XFM shows and stuff where Merchant gets a little bit pissed off at Gervais sometimes when he makes jokes mm. about Merchant's looks and stuff. Oh, right. He's quite yeah, a... Yeah. Uh, you, you'd see Merchant coming from a, quite far away. He's, he's a very tall guy <laughs> yeah. and stuff, and he's, got, you know, yeah. he's, off, he's quite gangly and uh is that know. what you said you can relate to him about <laughs> oh well you know i'm, I mean, I'm not quite that you a look... tall gangly person yeah, myself you're not that you look like him like generally i don't have the glasses yet no no just for height really i was i was talking about his <laughs> and, your, and about your, his... your collaboration with incredibly problematic people <laughs> on a comedy that's taken a rapid downturn <laughs> <laughs> he um it was probably the best element of the only stand-up merchants ever done from hello ladies which he brings two people up on stage at the end of the show to reenact his gcse drama play and it's actually quite funny in places <laughs> because you watch it and you're like Oh shit! My GCSE drama group did that. <laughs> I mean, I'm like just doing I'm... like physical theatre and stuff, and trying to create meaning through physical movements and going around in circles. You know, like kind of it's like okay, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> I'm, I'm just constantly amazed that there's anybody who wants to be emotionally close at all with Ricky. Like yeah. when he brings up his girlfriend and stuff, I'm just thinking yeah, like Jane, yeah. even when he was producing his best work, he never seemed like a person you actually wanted to know in person, you know? <laughs> they must have been together before he was famous. Surely it can't, you know. Like, I, th- I think so. I think they were. Because yeah, he, he's somebody who you could actually imagine like getting laid less once they get famous. Like he's got such an obnoxious mm-hmm. persona. Yeah. Well, in the eighties, during the Shona dancing days, he looked a lot different then. Oh, sure. Of course, (laughs) the testicles sagged. (laughs) Yeah. To be fair, you can't always see that in his public appearances. What what I'm just worried about now, having intensely researched this episode, is that YouTube is going to start recommending me just (laughs) shitloads of Ricky Gervais stuff, because I I, I watched one interview with the playwright David Hare about his script for the film Denial, about the uh, David Irving libel trial, and now YouTube is convinced I'm a fucking, like, vehement (laughs) Holocaust denier who loves David Irving, and and it's like I watched earlier this video, Tarek Ali, 
destroys Christopher Hitchens. And, and, and now it's just recommending me all this, like, imperialist bilge from Hitchens, which I've got no interest in watching. Like, no, no, that's the wrong side. Yeah. Look at the other side. Recommend me that stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. seriously, I've had, I've had to go through all these, like, Holocaust denial channels on YouTube and be, like, uh, <laughs> not interested, not interested. No, Fouls it out. <laughs> it's either stuff like that or fucking debate videos with, like, Christopher Hitchens and George yeah. fucking Galloway. It's like, oh, God, I'm on the wrong side of YouTube right now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Count Dankula. Yeah, I, th- I, think it, I think it was... Yeah, <laughs> precisely. We can talk about that in a second, actually, about the politics of Ricky Gervais. But I was listening to the Media Roots podcast. The American journalists, Abby Martin and Robbie Martin, brother and sister, were talking about how their YouTube channels, like, they just watch one thing to research some, like, right-wing fucko. And then their fucking channels are just filled with, like, Pepe Cuck 1488 and just all these yeah. prominent far-right YouTubers. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's for real. That fucking happens, man. Don't watch David Hare interviews about the film Denial, whatever you do. <laughs> Shall we? Shall we? Yeah, should we conclude with Ricky Gervais's politics before I go and fill my stomach? Yes. So uh, the politics of Ricky Gervais, at the moment he is defending Count Cuckula about (laughs) teaching his dog to see Kyle when he says gas for Jews. It's a very funny yeah. joke, and 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 I love he's spinning it. Count Count Dra- Count Dankula is spinning it. <laughs> I can't even say his fucking name. Why I don't want to. It's a bad name. Um, he he's spinning it as like this this like ironic anti-Nazi joke. It's like yeah, when when you know when, when I like turned up to the Nuremberg rallies in full regalia and, and, and <laughs> joined, joined the fucking march, that was an ironic anti-Nazi joke. I mean, it's pathetic. I feel so sorry for yeah. that poor little pug. Yeah, like yeah. the picture that was. Don't worry, Count La- Laura's gonna abseil in through his fucking window, fucking Good. hit him round the head with a baseball bat and steal the dog. <laughs> oh, what well, he'll be he'll be in prison, so she won't even need to commit any acts of violence against Count <laughs> Dankula himself, because yeah. He's fucking going to prison, you fucking prick. So I do life in prison for the wrongs I've done. And I pray every night for death to come. My life will be a burden every day. If I could die, my pain might go away. It's the death of freedom of speech. Good. <laughs> to save the the lady pug, as I as I called it. Uh, <laughs> the, the lady pug. <laughs> the lady pug. If it is, it could be. You know, it could be. It could be a boy pug. It could be a lady pug. You never know. Mm. I, I looked on Count Dankula's feet. Count Dankula should be what we call Paul Flynn MP when he gets stuck in the House of Lords. <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> his Twitter feed is just all him like O M G. I can't believe that, like, the court think I'm, like, an actual Nazi. And then, like, the next thing is, like, him retweeting Tommy Robinson, like, Dankula must be freed. And it's like, yeah, I wonder what you could have done. His first post-trial interview was with Tommy Robinson. Although, as well as Ricky Gervais and Stephen Fry, he's got support from all kinds of fucking losers and cranks and nerds on the fucking far right and the alt right like I, 
I'm pretty sure. Oh, oh no, it wasn't Paul Joseph Watson. It was Jonathan Pye who did a video about him. Oh. Our fucking Spiked Magazine pseudo comedy hack. Fuck off. <laughs> he came to the theatre I work at actually. Once. Oh, did he? Jonathan Pye. Yeah, Jonathan Pye did. Yeah, yeah. It was a really sold out show. I was, oh. I was shocked. Was this when it was in the middle? Uh, he used to pretend to be left wing, didn't he? This is when he was trying to pitch himself as, oh, you know. Well, he wasn't really ever totally supportive of Corbyn. He just used to lay into the right wingers more than Corbyn, if anything. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's, just, it's, see... it's basically just like one of his videos on a stage mm. for an hour and a half, stretched out, <laughs> just him shouting, shouting, ranting, turning away from the audience, putting his hand on his ear, going, yep, what's that? Oh, just... oh. Such a and then just goes into another rant. It's just like... Okay. <laughs> I did see one tweet by Mr. Dankula that said, oh, well, well yeah, yeah. if has I had, don't go to... Has he had his countship stripped from him? <laughs> has, he, has he been a denoble? That was part of the punishment, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he was fucking tweeting that same old fucking tired line saying, if I don't go to prison, I could just join the Labour Party. What? Because anti-Semitism. Oh, oh, yeah, great one. Yeah, yeah. We'll have to dedicate an episode in future to that whole conversation yeah. because yes. I think I think it's not something that we can tag on at the end of a Ricky Gervais episode. Absolutely, um, it needs but, to have its own episode dedicated to that. But yeah, sorry, what were you saying? Yeah, what a pathetic joke from him. Yeah. Very unfunny, trivialising serious things, exactly what you'd expect, really. Count fuckula. Nice one. <laughs> <laughs> nice one you got in there. Cutting edge comedy. I could almost... Go and do sell-out tours. When is and your binge, stand-up binge special theater. coming out? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know what's funny? AIDS. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. Ricky Hilarious. does say stuff. Don't forget dying kids. <laughs> nice one, yeah, yeah. Fat people. <laughs> he, yeah. he does say, when he isn't talking about his wealth at one point in the show, he is like, I make jokes about AIDS, cancer, and the Holocaust. He sort of says this stuff as well, like, I was on a chat show for Jimmy Fallon's show. He just like, sort of leaves a little pause for the audience to be like, Woo! it's like you're filming. As if we're supposed to be like, yeah, mate. Jimmy Fallon. Oh, yeah. Mate, what a guy. But Ricky Gervais did make a serious political intervention <laughs> last year, didn't he, during the general election when he tweeted his support for Jeremy Corbyn and the Labour Party. He did. He wasn't too unequivocal, was he? He was sort of like, this is the only way of getting Theresa May out. Yeah. But Jeremy Corbyn... This is the only viable option you have. Corbyn replied to him and said, yes, you're right, Ricky. (laughs) This is very good. (laughs) And then he retweeted it. So him and Corbyn had had their little bonding moment. (laughs) <laughs> Didn't want to get too close, probably. Yeah. Just, yeah. Just keeping his, you know. I've got a feeling somewhere Labour probably had a stance on animal rights more amenable to, you know, the only belief <laughs> than the Conservatives, like, will have a referendum on fox hunting. Fucking ludicrous. Yeah. Sorry, I think it was a parliamentary vote on fox hunting. Imagine another fucking referendum. <laughs> <laughs> if British politics just became entirely... Fox-it. Yeah, entirely consumed by the fox hunting debate, a la <laughs> Jeremy Corbyn the, is soft on Fox <laughs> Like you just get on You know how you have the wankers The FPP wankers on everything Corbyn posts Like what about <laughs> Brexit Jeremy You just get these people like What about foxes Jeremy Foxes <laughs> <laughs> It wasn't as you said Gervais's support of Corbyn wasn't like the most overt And stuff yeah. It was the only comedian from that Gervais wasn't really of that 90s generation of comedian Like 
no. Coogan or Chris Morris or Stuart Lee, but was Coogan probably the only one that was quite openly supportive of Corbyn? Because, of course, there was that rally which got televised in different places across the country where I think Coogan introduced Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, Gervais. yeah. Do you mean he introduced Corbyn? He introduced Corbyn, yeah. yeah. Not Ricky Gervais. Imagine yeah. that at Labour, like, just before the general <laughs> election. They're not going to give you any... <laughs> Jez is not coming out tonight, but I'm going to give you he an hour and ten of Ricky Gervais. Ricky Gervais just comes on, he's like, all right, Labour Party... Disabled people, fucking hilarious, isn't they? <laughs> I'm working class, you know. Working class kid from Reading. I guess he sort of sees himself as, you know how, like, when rappers boast about their wealth, you kind of give them a bit of a break because they've come from such incredibly <laughs> penurious yeah. conditions. And I think Ricky Gervais kind of hopes people will give him the same benefit of the doubt when he's talking about how <laughs> wealthy he is and how he's just been on the Jimmy Fallon show. And... Come from nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Good for you, Ricky. Really fighting against the white male hierarchy. Yeah. Because we don't really know. He's never said he's never like identified himself as a conservative or a socialist. Or you know, no. he's, he's, he's only ever identified himself as a chimp on his stand-up because he's so <laughs> funny. Yeah. Yeah. He just but, gets in bed with the liberals and right, yeah. I did read a thing on his blog which suggests to me that he isn't a fan of Brexit. But again, he probably wouldn't be yeah, very vague on that, I, I can imagine. Yeah, exactly, because the kind of people who like his stand-up now are like the kind of fascists who yeah. didn't give Brexit any thought. We're just like, yeah, this is fucking great. He says, let's not even talk about Trump and Brexit. Damn, yeah. I just did. <laughs> Hilarious. I chose the best and worst year to return to stand-up. It's great in the sense that there's lots of shit for me to rant about. He doesn't rant at all about Trump or Brexit in the show. No, he um, doesn't seem to give a fuck about politics. Yeah, but it's bad in the sense that my stick has always been playing the playing the arrogant, misinformed know-it-all <laughs> who says the wrong thing. It's worked well for me. But now I worry half a room agrees with those things without seeing the irony. It's a trick. Or in his case, the whole room. Yeah, I mean, isn't that our worry about Ricky Gervais? That he just does believe a lot of the shit that he says. Yeah. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. Even in, if you wanted to hear his views on politics, you're not going to get it in the stand-up show he did politics. There's no. like He talks a little bit about his, his university days and joining particular subjects, like a particular course, and describing the people who were on the course. I think it was sociology or something, something along those yeah. lines. And he describes the yeah, people on his course as wearing like berets and stuff. And then he ends the joke by going, they're people who I would call cunts. And that's <laughs> it. It's like, that's yeah, I, I remember stuff. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bad stuff. I mean, he continues in this blog post. Humanity is turning out to be my best stand up yet. I, I think oh, okay. it, it's because truth is so important now. Oh, my God. What truth does he tell? Like, that if you have an Bill and Jenny used to be a man. Yeah, <laughs> he's like, if you have an allergy, fucking learn to laugh at it. Is that the truth, or just like some guy like hectoring people with allergies? <laughs> like, yeah. And then he continues in a typically Gervaisian final flourish. He says, anyway, I'll be touring the show in various cities around the world that have five-star hotels mm. near to large venues. Yep. And regarding your point a minute ago, Tom, no, I don't think he's a conservative in terms of supporting, no. <laughs> supporting the Conservative Party. I think he, a lot of his views are quite conservative. I think he's somebody who identifies no. yeah. as, yeah, yeah, uh, I'm on the left. 
he would say, I am on the yeah. left, I am, a, I am a leftist, I agree yeah. with... Yeah, basically with just like Nick Cohen going, I used to be on the left, yeah. the yeah. left is basically not aligning with my views, yeah. I am the real left, How, uh, he they're wants, just... Yeah. Well, I don't, I don't think he even feels as strongly about this stuff as Nick Cohen, I just think he wants to see himself as kind of on the right side of history, but at the same time, he doesn't Choosing want, the wrong side. He doesn't want that, time. he doesn't want that to impinge on his right to shit on vulnerable and underrepresented people. And of yeah. course, that is no leftism. That's the socialism but of fools. It, it's very obvious that most of his comedies, quote unquote, is rather apolitical. Like the most political he gets is freedom of speech. Yeah. You know, that, that old dog. Don't really dog. talk about anything more explicit, you know? He's very vague. In, and in I, animal, I could see him sorry. being a sort of Clinton esque sort of left figure. Like, Nominally on the left, but not not really. When you actually know. look at the policies, I definitely don't see him as a Trump supporter. No, not consciously anyway. But he courts people who are. Yes. Uh, Big time. Oh God! One of his songs has just come on. Right, so that's going to be on the recording now. One of, 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 of the <laughs> instrumental intro to one of Ricky Gervais's songs, which just came on on his website. Sorry about that. <laughs> no one should have to hear that. <laughs> In his animal stand-up, there's a segment of it where he's found this book that he's really fascinated by. And it's about homosexuality and nature. I bet it is. And yeah. He, yeah and, he, and he just gets pictures from the book up on a slide and has this big pole and just points at it. A picture gets projected on the big screen in the theatre. They have two male dolphin, dolphins engaging in sex where uh, yeah. the dolphin on top has his penis inserted in the other dolphin's kind of, uh, I don't know the technical term. Yeah, head hole, breathing hole, and 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 and, and Gervais, yeah, Gervais's joke on that is he is fucking him in the head. <laughs> That's it. That's it. It's just it's just going on. Like, like hedgehog lesbianism. I remember that. <laughs> yeah. Can I read you yes. another little pertinent extract about one of Gervais's stand-up shows? Actually, of course. Oh, this is about animals, in fact. So this is from Ian Hislop, who's obviously a long-time panellist on Have I Got News For You and the editor of Private Eye. Like, Ian Hislop's a right-winger, but Private Eye publishes some good stuff amongst the tedious stuff that your dad might find funny. (laughs) And he said on Newsnight Review in 2003, Gervais obviously had cobbled the show together, and it looks like it. I'm sure that Eddie Izzard doesn't cobble his shows together. (laughs) I'm, I'm not so sure but watching (laughs) ricky gervais you thought oh yeah you can more or less do this i cannot see why he is on stage the worrying thing is that a lot of the material is so banal he deconstructs genesis and tells us that it is not literally true which is about 400 years old as a starter (laughs) yes he does that in animals yeah sorry finish off with your point he produces a whole book of homosexual animals There was a whole series about that on Channel 4, and stand-ups used that to make jokes for the next three years. There is nothing wrong with it, but it's a bit flat. Exactly. Because, as you said... There's another bit um, from Hislop. He says he opens up with a video. The video shows about somebody having a wank. So the initial thought of the show is, Mm -hmm. I am a wanker. That (laughs) That is odd concludes his slot. Yeah. So how have the reviews been? Do you read reviews? Um, really, really good. Um, they all came down and uh, pretty much without exception gave it a, a glowing review. So I was, even though I was saying, you know, it doesn't matter, uh, it was it was great to read that 
they thought it was really good. So what yeah. about something like the Newsnight review? Because that's quite intellectual. What did they make of it? Huh? The Newsnight review. What did they make of it? Ian Hislop. Didn't he review it? Didn't he yeah. give it a review on TV? Did he like it? What, no. did, what did he make of it? He didn't like it. What? What? How did you describe it? What did he say? Because I mean, he's a, he knows what he's talking about. I mean, he knows comedy because he's a funny guy. Does he? So. Does he really? I mean, I don't. I don't really count reviews. I don't read them. They don't count. So it doesn't matter what they say. It's just their opinion. But what did he say? He didn't. Didn't like it. Did he? Didn't like. Did he use any derogatory terms? He just said it was. Shit. Rubbish. A lot of the material is just so banal. After having produced a programme as funny as The Office, I cannot see why he's on stage watching Ricky Gervais. You thought, oh yeah, you can more or less do this. But, I mean, so what? Yeah, but then, you know, Private Eye, have I got news for you? I, I love both of them. I like Private Eye and I really like have I got news for you. And he says that. There are some people who Gervais would see as... Uh, dumb religious people who also think that Genesis was not literally true. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's so unrevolutionary. Ugh. It makes me think of in that film Religious that Bill Maher did. At one point, yeah. he goes to like a trucker's chapel. So like some little church on the side of a highway that truckers stop in. And he's yeah. just making fun of these like yeah. ordinary just nice working guys class well. shows. Yeah. And, and he's just like... Don't you think it's fucking stupid that you believe all this shit? <laughs> like, uh, and they're just these guys, they're going on these long trips across America yeah. hauling these transports. You know, they stop off just to kind of just have a bit of time yeah. that they want with their God. Yeah, a little That's fine, moment. you know? And, and, yeah. and exactly, and exactly. And Bill Myers' idea is just to go, hi, fucking dumb. <laughs> yeah. <You're> dumb. Yeah. <laughs> Let me ask you this question. What if we write in your own? We we gonna make it, and you ain't. If you're doing, if you're being good just to save your ass, just because, ooh, they might be right, and I just want to double down here and make sure that when I get up to the pearly gates, that Saint Peter doesn't say to me, "Up, oh, sorry, asshole, you had the wrong religion. Enjoy hell. Bye bye." Well, only thing I'm gonna say that's is that's not this. a good reason. Yeah, you could be right. I don't think it's very likely, but yes, you could be right because my big thing is I don't know. That's what I preach. I preach the gospel of I don't know. There's been proof that there is a Jesus. That's that's been proven. That hasn't been proven. How, how you figure it out? Either way, <laughs> it's not as bad as the shit Ma says about or to Muslims. Oh God! And Gervais yeah. has history in that regard as well. I mean, as, as a brief aside, not, that doesn't really have much to do with anything. There yeah. is actually on my drive to work. The, it was always a uh, cowboy church. It's literally called Cowboy Church. Oh, I wow. just like the cowboys have special rights, and I don't know. Just <laughs> it, it's so Montana, you yeah. know. It's just so much. Something I remember is. Chris Rock, Louis C.K., Jerry Seinfeld, and Gervais in conversation. Gervais, yeah. It's a thing yeah, called Talking yeah. Funny. It's a kind of follow-up to uh, uh-huh. aborted Ricky Gervais meat series. There's this kind of thing about, I think it's a conversation about using the N-word. And I think <laughs> Ricky Gervais and Chris Rock are the ones who use the N-word. And <laughs> one of them, <laughs> one of those guys can you see <laughs> I think that's it. It might have actually been Louis C.K., who I'm not interested in defending here, who said it. But it, yeah. was either him, it was either him or Gervais who was sort of agreeing with Chris Rock. Like, yeah, yeah. I think I... it was Louis C.K., I think it was. Oh, yeah. was it? Okay. But he's like, yeah, Trump. yeah, I do it as well, yeah. 
It's like, okay, you get a nice one, mate. I wouldn't use it anywhere. No, exactly. These two, these two we use say that on stage. On stage. <laughs> you guys don't. That's a, yeah. That's, yeah, that's the difference, two teams that's here. The difference that's between. Like, yeah. That's right. That's right. We, we can say up on stage, in different ways, don't. but that's definitely a pairing. Who, who we says say on stage? We don't. Well, you just you, did. Yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah. You and me say. No. These two guys don't. Oh, but Gervais does repeatedly use the N-word in one scene in Life on the Road, which isn't very funny. So, there you go. Yeah. He does use it. <laughs> Albeit in character as David Brent, but still. Mm. <laughs> so, is there any way back for Gervais at this point? Or is it <laughs> he's just, just completely back. gone? <laughs> no. I if he came forward and just explicitly said, look, everything I've done for the last ten years has been an ironic character. I don't actually believe any of that shit. And just complete does a, a 180. It's then just, maybe, yeah. Just for like a Borat-style documentary. Do that, <laughs> yeah, I don't... <laughs> this is my wife. This is my other wife. I mean, I, I just... Um... I, I just think I think he's not a good stand-up comedian. Like that's just not a skill he has. No. He's not likable enough to do chat shows and like no. meet, Ricky Gervais meets very well. I don't think he should resurrect The Office or Extras because I've seen Life yeah. on the Road and it didn't work. Yeah, his comedy was much better in the early days when it was in more controlled environments where he had more control over it being written, edited, and yeah. you know. In stand-up, it doesn't really kind of gel well. It doesn't work. Even in his early stand-up, when he was still sort of at his height in TV, mm. it just, no, that was his definite weak spot. Yeah. He's got to stop those if he wants to make a comeback. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just think if this were about a year ago and we were still wholly a film show, I think we'd be saying at this point his oeuvre is getting sent bar the office and extras into the celluloid gulag. Oh, God, it's been a while since we did that. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yes. <laughs> it's not well. ideologically correct. <laughs> <laughs> so if Gervais was to... Fess up and admit that he's he's Borat. fucked up big time. My wife. <laughs> My wife. Maybe there'd be a route back. What he needs to do is just deactivate his Twitter. Yeah. Take five <laughs> years away from public life and then become a monk. Go to, yeah, exactly. Become a monk. Go travelling around the world with Jane, his partner, and then maybe drop Stephen Merchant a corn go. Let's, let's, let's sit around and let's 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 try and shoot the shit. Let's shoot the shit, yeah. And yeah. I'll actually be more thoughtful. Yeah, not, <laughs> I do feel, not, yeah. however, that his next stand-up show is gonna be something along these lines. Hi, I'm Ricky Gervais. God's not real. Uh, 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 I'm rich. Uh, I've I've got a girlfriend, by the way. Uh, and uh, uh, you know what's funny? When kids die and. Uh, Trans people yeah. were assigned at birth a different gender to the one they currently yeah. identified with, uh, <laughs> and um, something about disabled people being hilarious. And, um, yeah. uh, and then it turns out. Why, why are you offended? Out. Why are you offended, Tom? You interrupt me because you're offended. Oh my God, Tom! I can't believe yeah. you're offended. Also, fat people mm. are funny. That's true. It turns out that he's the support act for Roy Chubby Brown. <laughs> they do say that past behavior is the best predictor for future behavior so yeah, i'm not seeing much of a turnaround coming yeah 
I mean, I think he's really shown the SJW cucks with this new show. I, I, I think I think making it an hour and 18 minutes long was a masterstroke. It's a real endurance test for anyone mm. who wants to hate watch it. And, and it's not like we'd ever do it. that. <laughs> well, of course we wouldn't, Tom. Like, come on, we are, we're, we are above that. We are above and beyond that. We're above the yeah. law. Alright. So closing thoughts? Closing thoughts. I think there'll be some good stuff in this. Yeah. Some closing thoughts on Gervais then, anybody? I I despair. (laughs) 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 I think that says it all really. Very sad and tragic. Yes, exactly. It's very sad and tragic what's going on there. Oh get no disagreement from me. I think there's literally one note in my notes that I haven't done anything with in this episode, which is that early in 2015, and this is from his Wikipedia page, Gervais guest starred in Gallivant, a four-week comedy miniseries, as Xanax the Magician. The show aired on ABC, and this is the kicker, Gervais got to show off his singing skills. Oh yeah. Did Ricky Gervais write his Wikipedia page? <laughs> his singing skills. Okay, all right, mate. I, I watch Life on the Road. Yeah. Okay. You know, he's one of those celebrities. I wouldn't put it past him. He probably has had some edits. Ah, uh, I, I hope when Noel Gallagher comes on the show, they're like having a jam. You know, he's like, come on, <laughs> come on Noel, let's get the guitars out. Oh, I just got, I just happened to have two guitars here. Like that scene in Anchorman where Will Ferrell takes the new anchor out on a totally not date. And then the person walks up and says, hey, play the jazz flute. And he's like, I was totally unprepared for this. And he just pulls it out of his sleeve. That's, that's good. <laughs> plays it just perfectly. Just pulls the guitar out of his sleeve. Let's go. Free love on the free love freeway. <laughs> <laughs> There's actually a recording of that track that he did with Noel Gallagher. Oh, well, there you oh, go. Gosh. That'll be yeah, what I'm really It's the real, real. It's the real, real. You know, you were saying how Ricky Gervais probably writes his own Wikipedia page. Yeah. I'm not going to give this guy any stick because I actually quite like him. But have you ever seen Chunky Mark's Wikipedia page? No, is it? Is it totally it written is by fuck, Chunky Mark? It is. Might not be written by him, but it is fucking long. It is really, <laughs> really long. I was like, this is really it's a biography. Long. It is. Fucking uh, hell! Just... Jesus Christ! Cancel yeah. protests. Controversy and legal challenges, international yeah. protest and demonstration. Holy <laughs> fuck! Like I. Uh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> have you have you have you seen? Um, let me find it. Um, uh, support of Raoul Moat. <laughs> <laughs> McGowan used the opportunity of a national lottery funded and arts council funded stage show to create the reenactment of the assassination of Raoul Moat. There's a moat, a canal that goes around the castle to protect it. In this case, the castle is our show, and the moat is between the staff and the talent, Uh hence a talent moat. Okay, there's a moat.
<laughs> conceived by Bagala to commemorate the life out, and crimes of Newcastle upon Time born murderer Raoul Moat only 11 weeks after Moat had left prison, injured his ex-girlfriend, shot dead her new lover and blinded a policeman all while taunting the Northumbria <laughs> police whom he blamed for his predicament and sparking one of the biggest manhunts in British history <laughs> Whoa. wait so he, he acted he, he, in the play. He, he put on a play called The Reenactment of the Assassination. Yeah, the, the Reenactment the... of the Assassination of Raoul Moat by the coward, the police. <laughs> and <laughs> and he, he had. Uh, this is so good, by the way. We should totally put this in the episode just at the, right at the end. But apparently, he played Raoul Moat in it with a Raoul Moat <laughs> mask on. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, McGowan also well. played roles such as a newsreader and the blinded PC David Rathband. It reminds me of <laughs> years ago when the Raoul Moat stuff kicked off. There was a thread about him on an Oasis forum that I posted on called Stop the Clocks. <laughs> Just Guido Forks, if you want to go looking for Stop the Clocks, the Oasis forum, you're well, <laughs> welcome to. I, I can come to me, I can confirm that it's the real one. But there was a thread which I should say I did not have a hand in about Raoul Moat called Raoul Moat, shit name, decent killer. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I know. McGowan told the Sunday Sun, I always worry about impact. I'm sensitive about people affected by stories. It went really well. (laughs) He's also done Corgi Eating, where where his art piece was called Eating the Queen's Dogs. (laughs) And and the Wikipedia describes it as perhaps one of McGowan's most definitive pieces of performance art protests. Though having been widely reported at the time by the press and tabloids, it was claimed that Yoko Ono was present at the radio broadcast version of Eating the Queen's Dogs and even joined in. Ono later denied this to the BBC. Yoko Ono is a legend, and I wouldn't put it past her. She did not break up the Beatles. The Beatles broke up themselves by hating each other. Yoko is a, a unique artist. And yes. I hope that she does have links to the artist taxi driver very much. <laughs> so, <laughs> so there you go. Right. Uh, so yeah, um, Matt McGowan has a longer Wikipedia page than Jeremy Corbyn, and yeah, yeah, fair play. I mean, honestly, when I discovered it, I was like, wow. I didn't even know he had a Wikipedia page. I just assumed that, and then I just and then I just trawled through it one night, and I was just crying when I got to the Ralmo part. Yeah, which was I, incredible. I. So hope that one day there is <laughs> there is a section on my Wikipedia page called support for Raoul Moat. <laughs> <laughs> oh it's something to aspire to. I bet Ricky you Gervais would find it. Jeffrey Dahmer too. <laughs> <laughs> he was worse than Raoul Moat, right? Raoul was a a, a, a complex individual, a, a, a conflicted man. Okay. Sorry, my bad, my bad. <laughs> <laughs> but um oh fuck what what, ah, what was i saying you, you with the jeffrey dharma comment you completed oh no i was i was, <laughs> I was saying ricky gervais would probably find this whole section of the episode really funny but yeah. he wouldn't find the previous hour and 30 45 <laughs> minutes where we're saying how shit he is funny at all <laughs> Uh, he, he he knows we're offended. He knows we're offended. We're, we're totally offended. I'm so offended right now. I'm sitting here just <laughs> crying from offense. 
But actually, I'm just crying from laughter at the support for Raumboat section on Mark McGowan's <laughs> Wikipedia page. <laughs> it's incredible. The controversy and legal challenges section has like 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 subheadings. Reenactment of the death of John Charles, John Charles de Menezes. Fuck's sake. Support of Support Jade of J- Goody. That was over her racist <laughs> remarks about Shilpershit. Alright, Chunky Mark is a is a is a complicated man. Um with, with <laughs> yeah. good aspects, bad aspects, the whole the whole lot. I think I think he, to be fair he has he has changed. He has got better in I don't think What's he's he actually a... famous for? I don't I don't recognize that he, name. He came part. on the show, mate. He was on our um... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the conference yeah. when Jack went to conference. Yeah, yeah I did a little he, was it, what was he he was talking about was he talking about? He like, had uh, an incredible like... metaphor about how Brexit was like diarrhea and uh, and the and Labour were like trying to wipe the arse but they couldn't. I, I can't quite remember it. I'm here outside the Synergy Centre in Brighton with Chunky Mark, aka the artist taxi driver. How are you doing, man? Brilliant, and I'm with these fucking renegades from the real politics who have been in the media fucking things up to like badass people on the <laughs> internet doing fucking things. <laughs> we need to keep freedom of movement, we need to support migrants, we need to support refugees. We've got a wank fucking Tory government, Theresa May's off in a fucking Maserati going around Florence talking Brexit. Do you yeah. know what I mean? With Bozo the Clown, you know, Renaissance and fucking frescoes and they go in a blank room with a white fucking thing. You know, the Italians, what do they think of people from England? What do they people... No, I got like a, 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 a nan and granddad who were like Italian, you know, got Italian in my family. And they're yeah. like, we haven't even got a fucking B-Day, mate. So We haven't got a B-Day, do you know what I mean? They're yeah. saying to me, what are you doing in your country? Wiping, you know, walking around all day with shit on your ass. Because you ain't got a B-Day to wash it. You know, you've got no dignity whatsoever. Yeah. What a country. Do you know what I mean? Using toilet paper, you're just rubbing that shit okay. on your ass. They're... That's what they're talking here. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. People are saying, like, we need B-Days. Yeah. And I know who that is then, totally. Basically, he does these videos where he's a cab driver and an artist, as you might expect the artist taxi driver to be. And um, of course. he does these videos where he sits in his taxi and uh, rants about left-wing themes he's had like john mcdonald on it and stuff before he was shadow <laughs> i don't actually know who that is now that you say it yeah it was like magic how did he you know i love it when the tories say your community center get shut down your library shut down your fire station shut down your police station shut down tory vaults and capitalists probably speculators yeah, Alex Jones went on it as once as well, but, <laughs> but you know. It's turning the frogs gay. <laughs> well, Tim Farron hasn't been on yet, I don't think. I think Farron got that line from Alex Jones, though. I definitely remember Alex saying it. Oh, no, 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 yeah. Alex Jones was, uh, was <laughs> saying it before Tim Farron. He's a big fan of the frogs. You he know? is a big fan of the frogs, but only if they remain straight. Oh, oh. I forgot to mention, I was in W.H. Smith the other day, and I uncovered a book called Oi, Frog. <laughs> <laughs> the autobiography uh, of Tim Farron. <laughs> oi, oi, oi. 
frog. <laughs> oi, oi, oi. Why is your gay frog? Yeah, it's oi. like when a bunch of like Nazi skinheads are walking down the street. Yeah. And they see a gay frog. And like, oh! <laughs> What's he fucking doing in the street? Yeah. Oh, fucking hell. And just a reminder that our play, Tim Peake's Farron Walk With Me, is actually in production now. We've recorded various yeah. parts of it. Oh, right. And, uh, yeah. Cool. How far are you with the narration, Tom? I'm up to scene 18, so there's another eight scenes to go. Very good. But thanks for listening to Real Politic, everyone. Thank you very much, guys. Bye. Solidarity. See you later. Oh, God, the chunky mark bit is going to be so funny. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking hilarious. All right. Uh, You can follow us at Real Politic Cast. Real Real Politic Cast. Real underscore Politcast. That's the one. And since I'm no longer on Twitter, I do have Facebook if anybody wants to add me. But obviously, that's, you know, real names. I understand if you don't want to out yourselves. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah uh, it's been good. Uh, Thanks, guys, for listening. Tom's at Tom's I am at yeah. Copland Resident. And Laura is at Low Energy Laura after her account got suspended because of some weird Tory who describes herself in her bio as journalist and Twitter curtain twitcher. Fucking Twitter, man. Fucking Twitter. (laughs) Weird obsessive freak. There we have it. There we are. (laughs) And we're going to close with Free Love Freeway featuring... (laughs) Vicky Gervais and Noel Gallagher on Real Politics. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Real Politics, everyone. See you next season. Pretty girl on the hood of a Cadillac, yeah. She's broken down on Freeway 9. I take a look and get an engine started. Leave a purring and I roll on by. Bye bye. Free love on the free love freeway. The love is free and the freeway's long. I got some hot love on the hot love highway. Ain't going home cause my baby's gone. She's gone. No, I later see a senorita. She's caught a flat trying to make it home. She says, Party five hard, can you pump me? I said, muchos gracias and adios, bye-bye. Free love on the free love freeway. The love is free and the freeway's long. I got some hot love on the hot love highway. Ain't going home cause my baby's gone. She's gone. See a cowboy crying. Hey, buddy, what can I do? He says, I had a good life, had about a thousand women. I said, Why the tears? He says, Cause none of them was you.